Do you know that there are over 3 million podcasts available worldwide? It's quite a competitive market where everyone is battling for attention of 22% of all internet users who listen to podcasts. Those who want to survive the competition have to nurture a dedicated fan base. One way to do it is to extend the brand with quality merch. In this episode of Ideas Fulfilled, we're joined by the Merchandise and E-Commerce Director at SiriusXM and the Creative Director at Podswag, Marisa Morales. Marissa is a highly experienced professional, particularly in merchandising and licensing. Together, we'll explore what Marissa does at Podswag, a platform where you can buy merch from your favorite podcasts. From this conversation, you'll learn how the biggest podcasts in the world go about introducing merch to understand how to apply this knowledge to other industries as well. Hi, Marissa. Thank you for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited about this conversation. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Well, I am the e-commerce and merchandising director for SiriusXM, which entails three URLs or three different spaces. One is Podswag, our podcast arm, and then two stores yet to launch, but hopefully in the next month or two. Oh, exciting. Are you allowed to share anything about the new launches or not yet? Yeah, I think I am. One will be for our SiriusXM subscribers. And the second one will be an employee store for all of our over 5,000 employees at SiriusXM. Oh, that's amazing. I, I, I love employee stores. It creates such a sense of bonding. Yeah, exactly. The the four walls that used to hold us within an office are no longer there. So having some representation through something tangible, such as merchandise, is important. Yeah, I totally agree. So can you tell us a little bit more about Podswag? What is that? Podswag is a e-commerce site that services podcasts. And it was started in 2017, right when podcasting was getting its footing. We understood who was listening very well. And it serviced a comedy niche. At that time, Listeners really, really wanted to keep their favorite content going, and we didn't have the ad sales component that many live on now. So buying merchandise and supporting a show through e-commerce allowed a little bit of a revenue stream and sometimes kept the lights on. So it was a grassroots initiative. But Podswag now services over 100 and, and, and some odd podcasts from all different genres, not necessarily comedy, and their content creators in, in a few other ways other than just merchandise for their shows. Perhaps it's extension of signed books that they've written or philanthropic products or charity support that you buy a signed poster and your part of your proceeds will go to support that host favorite initiative. So it's pretty much catch up our podcast <laughs> fans to find things that connect to their favorite content. It's grown a lot then since 2017. It had from 2017, probably up until 2020, when the pandemic hit, it grew 100% each year. It was a very amazing, fast, fun place. The ideas just kept coming and they were different each time. So it grew and grew. And then in 2020, with the pandemic, when people were home and able to to listen, sales just expedited triple fold because that's where they they could find security. Yeah, of course. Have you been with Podswag since the very beginning of it? Yeah, Podswag, uh, Podswag I launched. 
Oh, wow. It's your, your, your baby. And it's my baby. So in 20, I've only been in the podcast world since 2017. Prior to that, I worked in the fashion industry with a background in product development and licensing. So it was a nice fit in a world where product development of apparel wasn't known or wasn't even an interest. It's such a different world than a did audio engineer sort of scenario. So I had a perfect spot for me. Do you feel that the whole space has changed now? Are people more immediately open to the idea of having merch for their podcast? Yes, everyone wants merch. Everyone thinks merch is a, a great idea and really think it could be copious amounts of revenue stream. Podcast still is not the Taylor Swift tour. So there's still a small world. So some people have very large expectations. Some know exactly what they want. Some have no idea. So the spectrum's very large and different from show to show. When you started out, how how did it happen? Did you find podcasts that you approached or were people coming to you already immediately? When I first started the early 2017 in the podcast space, there were a handful of shows that had some merch going, but that merch business was t-shirts in a garage where someone would fulfill orders whenever there was a free time. So a lot of those shows, maybe there were 10 or 20 of them, were baked in and part of that initial Earwolf network. And those are where I started. It was more or less of a business refinement. How do we get a supply chain going, a warehouse and fulfillment center, as well as let people know what we have. So it was really building that backbone. And from there, it's just grown. We've had many different networks. We've had multiple ownership. We've, we've changed and grown a lot in a big way. Can you mention some of the podcasts that you're working with? From the very beginning, we were working with WTF, which is Mark Marin. We were working with Comedy Bang Bang. Now our, one of our biggest um, shows is Office Lady. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So and Office Ladies and Conan. And then to smaller shows, a brand new one will be uh, Better Tomorrow with Hannah Brown. She was a bachelorette. So I'm working on that pitch. It just came in this morning. So what's a handful of them currently? It sounds like an exciting uh, field to be in. It's not boring. Podcasters so often have a very specific brand identity. They're very, like, they have personalities. How do you make sure that you are able to transfer that to their merchandise? And I think that's almost like any brand extension. Let's say that same celebrity is trying to write a book and that publisher will come in and sort of hold their hand through the process. So for us, we'll always have a creative meeting right off the bat. And sometimes it's just an understanding of what we can do and comparative to what they want to do and finding the way to execute it. Again, creative meetings start off, what would you like? What are some things that resonate already? Do you have colors? Do you have artwork? Do you say things that are familiar? Have you had any fan engagement? And if they hadn't, we start with just easy. What is your what does your show album cover look like? Can we pull from there? And we'll just start with basic items that we can launch and, and see what the market responds to. And do you feel that the market is predictable? Do they no, not at all? I started working in retail before e-commerce existed. There was no such thing. So you would be able to find and follow trends based on seasonality, holidays weather, etc. But that's not the case now. Content, and there's more and more and more and more content. 
So how do you decipher what you're going to even listen to now? You just don't know. And just because you have X amount of downloads does not mean that that will transpire into saleability of your merch. You need to get behind it. It needs to make sense for the listenership that you have. It needs to connect. And oftentimes you might have a host that doesn't fully connect with their listeners, but people enjoy listening to them. So there is a lot of variables in this process. Do you feel that if that's the case where the podcaster isn't fully connected with the listener, is there still a way to launch merch? Do they have to get more engagement from the customers to understand what might work? I would love that always, but sometimes there isn't enough time available from from that group. So again, you can do put some money behind it socially. And luckily, work for big company that has marketing budget and an ability to support in a better way. But yeah, you can get ads and and such out in front of people. Even it's podcasting. So you can even have someone record an ad that isn't the host and drop it. So there's ways, but it's so much more authentic when it's delivered from the source. Yeah, I've always felt that like inside jokes work so well and stuff that's really niche, really, really specific to the listeners. It might seem counterintuitive sometimes to go with such a narrow field, but it just works. It's the beauty of this. The more niche, the better, the more, the smaller the community. And it's so interesting with merchandise. You don't typically see someone else wearing something that you relate to. But when you do and you get that inside joke, um, like so for Comedy Bang Bang, they had a shirt that was their bestseller forever. And it said, hey, non man which was on an episode, hey, hang on, man. And it had gotten abbreviated and misunderstood per se, but it was so funny. Everyone giggled forever and became a shirt that sold over and over many times. You only know that if you're a listener. Yeah, exactly. Like since 2017, e-commerce has changed a lot as well, not just podcasting. How do you keep up with it? From someone who's that on both sides, you still really need to work with your feelings and your understanding of the business and what you're responsible for. E-commerce, I never thought I would be an e-commerce shopper. I always enjoyed going into the mall, seeing how stores had visually communicated that collection. It doesn't matter to me anymore because it's far faster to just go online and get it versus getting in the car, walk into this very sad mall space. I think a lot of us are evolving to truly only e-commerce. And again, you're buying everything from your groceries to jewelry. It's hard to try to bend to the overall world, but sticking to your guns in this world as a buyer, creator, product developer really will always give you a point of difference that's solid and you can feel confident about. Yeah. Do you feel like there's still something that e-commerce can learn from retail or retail from e-commerce? I mean, with retail, you have someone there to help you. Or you. The ideal was that you have support helping you make decisions that could grab this, that, and the other, really clientele. E-commerce has some chat boxes, perhaps a phone call line, but there isn't that connection. There isn't that person-to-person connection, which if you go back to the world of trades, was a way to exchange goods. So I don't think it will ever be that. That's 
a brilliant answer. I hadn't thought about it in that way. I sometimes do miss like an actual person that I can consult with when I'm on a store somewhere. Yeah, I think human connectivity gets further and further away the more we grow in e-commerce. That's true. When you are launching new products or for new podcasts, uh, products for new podcasts, what role does data and audience insights play in how you decide which products to launch and how? So I think the original data that we have, we have an amazing team of individuals that really position new shows and their reach for one, advertisers. But secondly, I use that information to see what type of budget we might have to create a collection. Do we have more funds able to to hire an artist? Can we just use the art that's already been established? So those numbers help me sort of guesstimate a budget for a collection. And that's mostly what I use the numbers for. Mm -hmm. And then once you start launching the products, I assume you look at the sales data probably, yes? The exact second it hits. And that's pretty, the most amazing thing with e-commerce is, you know, if it's a dog right off the bat, it's pretty instantaneous. So you get answers pretty quickly. Have you ever been surprised that something that you launched that you thought wouldn't be performing that well actually goes viral or the other way around? Yes. I mean, I'm always surprised actually, because you just, (laughs) You just don't know. It's too much now. There's just so much in the in the environment. But I mean, I remember we had back in the small comedy days, we'd launched one brand new shirt. The host made a tweet and nine thousand dollars later in a matter of three hours. It's I have. And this is before I had print on demand. So I was calling the vendor. being, <laughs> How fast can we turn this out? Can I pre-sell these? What are we doing? So, and that's really exciting because, I mean, success is sometimes not always constant. Yeah, of course. So you mentioned that right now you're using print on demand. Is that the only thing you're using or you're also sort of... No, I mean, with my background in product development, the cooler, the more interesting things you have, the more you'll stick out in a crowd. So it is the, it's probably about 80% of my business. Mm-hmm. The other 20% are these one-off, whether it's books bought through publishers for hosts to sign that are theirs. That's always a fun element. Or perhaps it's um, vinyl records of digital content on vinyl. Like It's just who would ever have thought that that was something, but it is. Or perhaps it's like a big show that had made reference to mini cornhole. I'll try to find mini cornhole games. So it's it's really whatever the show demands. And uh, when it comes to using, obviously I have to ask, since this is a Printful Enterprise podcast about how do you use print on demand? When did you start using it around and why did you decide to do it? Well, and it was hard for me because I, quality and assurance that the product will be exactly what I'm asking for is a risky experience for someone who was raised on going to a factory to approve fabric. So just hoping that that's what it is takes a little bit of risk. So for me, a while, I needed to find the blanks that I liked. I needed to ensure that the print quality was exactly like a screen print would be. So it was probably about four years ago where I started looking and making the switch to, to Printful because fashion's the biggest waste contributor globally. Yeah. And we can't live like that anymore. 
and to be able to allow all shows, no matter what their digital downloads or reach might be, to be able to have merged is such a blessing. And it makes it fair to everyone we support and represent. So again, and I found the best partners with Printable because they were using the same exact blanks. The sample sent to me with print quality, there is no difference. So it might have taken me a long time to get here, but I'm very happy with the reduction of waste as well as the full management of from order to fulfillment, as well as products that keep getting added. It's it's wonderful. I don't even have to source anymore. That's great to hear. Did you order everything in bulk beforehand? I did. Oh, well, you must I know. have had full living room of boxes. <laughs> oh, it was something, but that's just how it was done. Some people don't even understand that. Then the little kid down the street probably has a Shopify store. You know what I'm saying? It's such a different world. It has changed a lot. I agree. So right now you're 80% print on demand and then 20% basically experimentation, depending on who who the po uh, podcast is. Yeah, that's great. How do you decide which products to launch? Because like even with print on demand, you have like a catalog of 300 or whatever, and then you can't launch 300, obviously. How how do you decide? That's what the 20 years of, of, of work experience sort of gives you a better blueprint of what's going to work. You realize down the road, women's shirts don't do well because women's t-shirt sizing in general is ridiculous. No woman who's a size medium wants to be ordering a double XL. So again, we'll just cut that out of the equation. Find a nice, good unisex shirt that works and it's consistent, and you have the sizing grid. So it's easy to sort of cut some of the fluff out. And then also knowing some of the extensions like the Champion, the other brand, you guys are affiliates now with a lot of like Adidas, Champion, other products that have some validity and betting behind them. So yeah. it's, it's easier to, to just go with items that you have experience with. That's uh, a legit strategy, I think, since uh, you have the experience, then why not use it? Can you share some stories, some of the experiences that you've had with your customers, with your podcasts, where you've built this whole merchandise from scratch? Just a fun story. I think the, the one that's had the most growth as well as the most trust in me from the get-go was the show The Office Ladies. So there were some interesting elements to that. It was a show that recapped episodes of The Office told by Angela and Jenna and their amazing friendship. However, that content was owned by another media company and that content is precious. So you need to be able to, to speak to that content without it infringing. So mm -hmm. with that, you need to be able to make art decisions. We can do this illustratively in our own signature. So being able to, to work with an illustrator to create art that, that translates well and then becomes their sort of like iconography. So it's easily duplicatable, can be used in so many different ways. I think there the art was the key to success. And now we just go back and forth, hand over fist for for new ideas and development. And those women speak directly to their consumers. They feel relatable on all levels. So it is a really nice relationship between myself, them and their listeners. That sounds lovely. 
Do you feel that merchandise in a way helps to build a connection between the listeners and the podcasters? Oh my God, it, it's vital because again, you're listening. It's an audible experience. Merchandise is tangible. Some people listen to these podcasts more than they speak to their significant other, their family, they see their mother or father. So it's it's time spent and that relationship in the podcast space to the show isn't isn't fully understood, but through an item can really be joyful and validating. I spend so much time listening to this podcast. It's my favorite if I could go and listen and do this. And then they can hold the same mug that their host is drinking from. It's really a connective tissue for fan to to host. Are you yourself a fan of podcasts in general? I... It's so funny. I'm not the biggest. Even after... It doesn't matter. You just need to know what your brand is and what relates. Because again, I could... There would be no time in the day to listen to all of these podcasts. There's so many. But again, it really is working with someone and having that connection. What do you want? What makes you excited to have your brand walk the streets? That's what merchandise does. It is a walking billboard per se. Yeah, and it creates some really good word of mouth marketing as well. If if I see a cute merchandise somewhere and there's something funny on it or something that confuses me even, I'll, I'm going to go home and Google it just to see what it is. It's a conversation starter. Yeah, exactly. Could you share perhaps some of the best practices for podcasters who are considering dabbling into merchandise? Where do they start? I think where they start is one, do you want to take this on? If you're doing it yourself, do you have the time? Because it does take a little bit of that. There is some extra things to do. But most importantly, it's know your audience. If we are going to go down that route of of giving merchandise to your listeners, who are they? Mm -hmm. What would they want to have? Even though they might know what they want to have, but what do you want to do to fill that void that they might they might need. So I think, again, one, do you have the time? Two, know your audience. Three, use a service that isn't going to weigh you down. You do not want boxes in your garage. You do not want to skip these orders to yourself. Just keep it simple. And again, the easy things to do are t-shirts, mugs, stickers, low-hanging fruit until you know very well what your listeners are are going to be willing to, to buy and, and spend their money on. Do you ever just go out and ask directly to the audience? Like Sometimes, because you you know, like as soon as you start listening, like there's some shows that are based off reality TV. Mm -hmm. Reality TV group is very vocal. You know they are. That's just, just, hey, how about you ask them what they wanted? Sometimes you'll come back. Someone wanted like sweatshorts. I would have never guessed sweatshorts because what? However, what shorts you get, it's fine. Just ask. And people these days are really happy to let you know. And it feels like they're being heard. It gives them another avenue to speak directly to the host. Do you think that there's ever a risk to cater too much to what the audience wants? Yeah, because again, there's so much everywhere. There's so much clutter in general, so many messages, so many ideas across new everywhere. There's too much, too much sometimes reduces any sort of conversion. So only put on sale what you feel comfortable doing and confident about because 
still no need to fill every hole. It's one of the most popular questions when we do like live streams with Printful, etc. There's always people asking like, how many products should there be on my store? And it's such a difficult question to answer. It's I don't think there's like a perfect number. There isn't one because let's say you're doing a running podcast. You might want to do the ear pod case. That would be beneficial. You also might want to do stop like Again, it is case by case and there is no right number. But if you're confident with 10 and 15 seems a little bit bulky, just do 10. More is not always more. Yeah, I agree. Well, I I can hear that your podcasts are in very good hands. You have very, (laughs) I I can feel that you have such in-depth knowledge of the whole e-commerce area and the merchandising game. It's amazing to listen to you talk. So how do you see, what are some of the future of sort of, things that are coming merchandising way. Is there something exciting that we might see in the future? Well, I think for podcasting, it is mainstream now. I think there will be, and it might be mainly more for podcasters, contracts, and outreach. I really do hope that licensing is an area for podcasters to begin to go down. I really hope that big box stores can buy into their merchandise. I really hope that they as content creators can become mainstream in a way that is beneficial to their revenue stream, if you will, because they are producing at that same level as some of other media outlets. So I really do hope that licensing, advertising extensions, and and just more reach of their brand continues to to happen. That's uh, That's a good wish to have i think i hope it also happens i think i've been very fortunate to to sit in a world that continues to keep giving me more as well as growing themselves so but in this little limelight i really do hope that these big names that we we work for there is a continuation of giving back through some of these proceeds and there is a another round circle of yes support this show because you love it. Two, we're doing this as a bigger entity. And it's just a further expansion of the the reach. I really do think that there needs to be a third layer in consumer goods. So I do think a little gift back would be a, a huge opportunity. Yeah. And I feel that that is happening more and more, don't you think? I think so. I'm seeing it more and more. I mean, you don't ever really know you know, so I, I'm hopeful that it is. I think we all know how important it is. So again, and some of these bigger projects that I've worked on that have been exciting, like I was talking about the vinyl records, some of those were philanthropic where proceeds were given and it just feels good. And it's, it's not only does it feel good when you buy it, it feels good uh, long down the road. So I think that's been my most exciting and I hope it just continues. Yeah. And from an employee perspective as well, I know that I it just makes me feel better to work at a workplace that does give donations and does contribute to causes. And it's just, it just feels better, honestly. And if our listeners want to check out PodSwag or see what you are doing in your career, where, where can they find you? Where can they find PodSwag? You can find me on LinkedIn and message me. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was very, very nice to talk to you. And it's such a huge amount of useful information. Thanks a lot for contributing. Thank you for having me.
for listening to our conversation with Marisa Morales from SiriusXM and Podswag. If you want to check out Podswag, see the episode description. You'll find all the necessary links and information there. And remember to tune in for the next episodes of Ideas Fulfilled by Printful Enterprise. 